And then, and then he said, "How does a love's kiss stay in my memory?" <laughs> To Big Damn Cast, I'm Big Damn Chris. I'm Big Damn Matt. And this week we're talking about no things at all. Goodbye, it's been fun. See you See later, you later. everybody. Uh, no, okay. We no. should probably say some words. Um. Well, something just dropped literally as we were about to start recording. A fart. A wicked deuce. Literally, Chris. Don't use that word. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we about, about an hour before we were due to start recording. Yeah, we 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 were settled on a, a bit of a topic this week. Well, we'll talk about this, and then the gods brought forth their finest son, Odin's son, if you will. Thor Ragnarok trailer just dropped. More like the Thor Ragnarok and Roll trailer. Am I right? Are you right? Oh yes, are, I are am. You, can we get an independent team of researchers <laughs> to check that Matt is indeed right? Who um, am I talking to? I'm just pointing at thin air. No, also, we can't afford an independent team of researchers. Um, Maybe we should start a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> an independent team of researchers. Can you give us an independent team of researchers to verify that this Thor Ragnarok trailer is, in fact, fucking awesome? Yeah, I I just... Oh. Right, brief history of Thor. I like the first movie. That's yeah, pretty I like cool. the first movie a lot, yeah. Uh, it's not the strongest movie in that first phase. Nope. But it's not Iron Man 2, so bizarre. Um I enjoy the second movie. It's got some really nice set-piece stuff going on in it. The whole, the whole fight around Greenwich is really cool. It's fine. Yeah, it, 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 it sort of wastes its villain, or at least the actor playing its villain. Um, it focuses a bit too much on Loki. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's not a bad movie. It's, it's just not one of the stronger ones. Yeah. This looks like they've taken every possible training wheel off of the Thor idea and just gone, fuck it. Do Wait. everything. What's that? We have nine realms. Well, let's go and explore them. Let's see the space age twisted shit that's going on in outer space. Let's do this. Asgard. Looking pretty. Not getting smashed up, yeah, but not in a doom and gloom destruction kind of way. It's all bright colours. It looks like a big sci-fi explosion. It looks eighties as it fuck. does. Oh my god, Kate Blanchett as Hella, yes, looking amazing, yes, in more ways than Juan, yeah. And for starters, they pull off the helmet. Well, they make it work. We don't know if they'll pull it off yet. It doesn't look embarrassing in that shot. It I looks know, pretty sweet. You don't see it take it off. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Kate Blanchett as Risa Repulsa too. Yes. Um, looking, I mean, she's looking amazing. And the money shot is in the opening of the trailer. Even people with a vague familiarity with the Avengers movies and Thor movies will see her grabbing Mjolnir, crushing it in her bare hand, and go, Oh, <laughs> well, that's not going to be good. That Thor's in trouble, isn't he? That Thor, lad. Yes. Should we go watch it? Oh, I want to check that he's all right. And look at the size of his bulging arms. He's um, bulging arms. He's got a sexy new haircut. Yeah, his forced haircut. Continuing the cinema tradition of people cutting other people's hair forcibly, and it's somehow looking really cool. Yes. Even though it's been yeah. done with, like, a, a blunt pair of scissors and a rock. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Tear your hair out. So from what it looks like <laughs> what is happening in this movie is Hella takes over Asgard, fucks it up, and then Thor somehow gets banished to... Well, he's unworthy. He's, he's, yeah. Mjolnir is destroyed. He's got nothing that's sort of really... He's not not got a god level of power to fight back with now. He's um, just got his, his usual strength and his wit. 
Well, it seems like he can go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. Well, can he? So, we'll see. We'll find out about it. Um, but yeah, also, yeah, so it seems like he ends up on a planet, which is probably, they're probably going to go with it being Sakaar. Yeah, and, um, that makes sense. And uh, and the Grandmaster's running these games, these tutorial games. Master. Maximum Jeff Goldblum on Maximum. it, on display in this trailer. <laughs> Max, he's just, get, he's <laughs> the just most, Jeff Goldblum. The most Goldblum that Jeff Goldblum has ever been in his ridiculous Grandmaster costume, just being Jeff Goldblum. Just Goldblum in a heckle. Just. Yeah, looks um, like looks like working for him or at least doing his bidding is Valkyrie, who looks awesome. She looks so cool. Uh, I'm looking for at least one giant braid at some point. Though, yeah. just give me one stupid big braid. Could have a giant braid, and I'll be happy. Go for a giant braid. Um, um, so yeah, it looks yeah. like Thor gets w- washed up in those gladiatorial games, and then yeah, we'll <laughs> see where it goes from there. Um, also, seems that like back in Asgard, there is a resistance fight against Hela that looks looks like it. Is if not led by, it's certainly we get being helped by Loki. By the look of well, it. we don't because Loki also turns up next to the Grandmaster. He does, but that's maybe him trying to get Thor back. Maybe we'll see. Because I think they're doing. I think they're going with Loki as reluctant good guy again in this one. That's also, the vibe I'm getting so far. We know that Doctor Strange is going to turn up in this, and they'll be in New York at some point. So. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll see. God, what else? Heimdall and yeah, in the forest. Yeah. Elba rocking locks. Yeah. Smashing the crap out of some bad guys. Yeah. Um. I it just it this. just looks like a burst of colour. It just looks fun. It's nice to see these environments that we're familiar with and these characters we're familiar with suddenly having to deal with something on a bigger scale than before. So yeah. <coughs> you know? And you can't do the Thor fish out of water thing on Earth again. No, because we've already done it. Twice. This is a great way to, to make everyone forget that Natalie Portman hasn't signed on to do another. Yeah. <laughs> let's just not set it on Earth. Let's just let's just not put Natalie Portman in it. Let's not go back to it. Although it does mean we're not going to get any more... Um... Darcy, what a shame. Darcy. As a fan of Kat Dennings, I genuinely say what a shame. Yeah. As a fan of non-annoying characters, I go, oh, what a shame. Yeah. Um, but and, yeah. and also no more Stellan Skarsgård. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he popped up in some way. If not in this movie, in, a, in another MCU film. He might he'd probably... Because <clears> they've made, they've made um, Selvig pretty... Important, haven't they, in the world of the Avengers? Yeah. So I won't be surprised if we rocked up somewhere. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Thor looking cool. Loki looking sort of trimmed down, less grandeur to him. Yeah, yeah. He's all sort of like muted blacks and greens now instead of like, you know, the sort of royal look. But he's got rocking a helmet at one point, so at least he's got that going for him still. And the last we saw him, he was uh, on the throne of Asgard. He was so. Odin. He was disguised as Odin. See. And we've seen set pictures earlier last year of Anthony Hopkins as, like, Tramp Odin. Tramp on, Odin. On, in Midgard, so... So much meth. <laughs> oh, God. All the meth. Meth do Odin. Know, do you have any idea how much meth it takes His to, get a, to get an Asgardian high? Like, <laughs> Jesus. He has to give so many backstreet blowjobs. Do you think his, de- do think his dealer with the Stan Lee cameo? Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha hooked up. We call it Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Just little please. just little little tablets that look like X Men logos. Yeah. It's like, there you go. Yes. We call this the forbidden fruit. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that was pretty sweet. I'm 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 geared up. I'm looking forward to seeing some Mark Ruffalo in footage to come. It'd be nice to sort of get a glimpse of Banner. Some Buffalo um, Ruffalo. Buffalo Ruffalo. Just best shot of the trailer. Um Hemsworth clocking that it's the Hulk and going, 
Yes! <laughs> like, he's like, yay! I don't have to fight! He's a friend! He's a friend! We can work this out! He's a friend from work! Forgetting quite clearly that this is the Hulk. This he's isn't a, Banner. This is the goddamn Hulk. He's a friend from he's work! He's <laughs> You never thought you'd think It's so. such a tycoon. Having seen, like, having now seen what we do in the shadows and Hunt for the World of People, it's such a Taika Waititi moment. Yeah. Like, that is exactly the kind of moment you would get in one of those films. But... <laughs> In a Marvel thing and not looking out of place because oh. it's going. It's following in the same tradition of the sort of irreverence that you get from both Josh Whedon scripting in the Avengers movies and like Robert Downey Jr. and Tom uh, Tom Holland particular uh, their sort of James Gunn's kind Paul, of Paul Rudd's sort of yeah. Uh, um, this world, the, the Marvel universe, Cinematic Universe is a place where humor can flourish. Yeah, and 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 it, it acknowledges how ridiculous it all is. Which yeah. is quite, which is nice. You kind of have to. to you can't. You can't. It's Thor in a gladiatorial arena in space <laughs> fighting the Hulk yeah. in a big gladiator. You outfit. have to get the you audience to acknowledge it's stupid. You have to get the audience to go along with you and uh, <laughs> and going to them and going, look, take this seriously. This is really serious, and you need to take it seriously, or you're not clever enough for it. <laughs> That's not a good way to get them to go along with you. If you're just like, look, isn't this silly? Isn't this fun? Let's all go and have fun together. Take my hand and let's have silly fun. That's a better way to get them to go along with you. And it looks like kind of like this is what this trailer's doing. So I'm I'm all for that. I'm hyped. I am very much get hyped, son. I <laughs> went Guardians in like three weeks, man. We get Guardians in like three oh, weeks. Guardians literally just around the corner. And Thor is coming in. Is it say October? Is the release date they've given yeah. now? So in no time at all, this film's going to be upon us. Like a pube. And I think Star Wars Celebration next week, so we should have a Last Jedi trailer. Oh, right. Just, oh, I just nutted. Oh, actually, something else that came up this week. Oh, ah. Um, oh, just, ah. Just before we move on to the main section of the podcast, just a little bit of tidbit of news. <laughs> you um, said tid. Sounds Carrie like Fisher tit. is going to be in episode nine. Oh. But she's not going to be CGI. Right. Apparently so... they're going to use existing footage that they've already got. Um... Either, presumably some deleted scenes or something that's going to be repurposed from episode 8 and she will be making an appearance in episode 9 with the blessing of her, of her surviving family. Okay. Particularly her son uh, not sorry, not her son her brother who um, is Todd Fisher, is it? Uh, yes. Um, he's come out and said well, you know, Carrie belongs to uh, I don't remember exactly what he said but basically along the lines of like her, she is a part of this and always will be. Yeah, and a certain amount of her and her work on this belongs to the fans and to the property. Well, it's like it's, it's not like it. she. It's it's not like if you were able to somehow bring someone back from you know after. Yeah, and ask them, you know, would you would you rather be left you alone? I think if it was something they cared about, they'd be like, no, go ahead, do what you can. Yeah, yeah, like do what you can with it. Um, you know what I mean? So it's it's. It's what it is. If they've got enough footage, now that I imagine they've cut episode eight, so if they've got enough footage yeah, yeah. to coherently weave uh, General Organa into episode nine yeah. to an extent, then go for it. Like, let gonna, it be done. Um, but she's going to be in it. In, so that's. In some, in some capacity. I think that's nice. I think that's. It, it's. Because it, it also means that they don't have to just sort of immediately episode eight kill her off. Yeah. Off camera and, uh, and to I, explain her absence, it they seems can like work things into the story a bit more organically. It seems like Disney never really wanted to do the CGI thing with it going forward. No, no. So no. I think I, I, so. I, I yeah, it looks like they're not going to take that route, and kind of didn't want to anyway. That is, so. I mean, that makes sense on so many levels. Yeah, both, both 
thematically and morally and everything. Yeah, morally, it's too soon. Thematically, it'd be weird, and like technologically, it's just not quite there yet. No. So this this um, makes more sense. Plus, at the same time, this trilogy. It feels natural. I don't know how you felt, but it felt to me like episode nine was going to be more about Ray, Finn, yeah, Poe, and Kylo Ren, I think this rather than the older characters. It's going to be yeah. sort of a hand. I mean, episode seven was was very much that sort of handoff. Yeah, like this is the end hand of our story. Off. Oh, it was a handoff. And you know, <laughs> if it continues in the theme of the Star Wars movies, there'll probably be a handoff at some point. Yeah, literally. Hey. Um, oh. Oh. Hey. Oh, so yes, yeah. yeah. it's it very much the end of the story of Luke and Leia and Han, and and the start of the story of Ray and Finn and Poe. Yeah, so yeah, um, or foe or pin, as people are probably going to start calling them at some point. Pin because they better be a thing. I yeah. sod it, make it polyamorous, make it be like ra- ra- Ray pin. No, no, think about what you just said could, and go and oh, in the no! hang your head in shame. I'll hang it somewhere. No. Um, <laughs> So, uh... Speaking about hanging our head in shame... Yeah. <laughs> What's that? What happens this weekend, Christopher? Uh, Big Damn Love, Sunday night on uh, our channel. No, yes. What else happens? But apart from that, uh, yes, although that is the reason you should be celebrating the weekend, you little turds. I'll be seeing you on Easter Sunday, you lucky, lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> but on Easter Saturday... Professor Hume returns to television. Now, in prior years, we would be pretty damn excited about this, but over the yes. last couple of years specifically, we've both sort of fallen out of love with the current incarnation of the show. It would be, it would be an understatement to say that my enthusiasm has waned somewhat. Yeah, it's um, we just we're not we're not there anymore. It's we're not, not we're not in the same place that we were. It's not so much waned as sort of fizzled out. Almost entirely. That's one way of putting it. It's is drooped like Donald Trump's erection. <laughs> Every time you mention him, it gets stronger. <laughs> but yeah, we, we just... Uh, and I think I think for both of us, it sort of... I, I stuck with it as best I could, but I kind of... I fell out of it mid-series eight was when I decided I wasn't... I, I was It was too much for me now. I, I, I wasn't enjoying myself. I was optimistic as, as appointment on... telly. I think I think the show started to falter long before then, but I think that was the series I went. I can't I can't be here every week. I was optimistic going into season nine, but season nine so quickly burned all the goodwill that I had left that I didn't even <laughs> watch all of series nine. There's at least two episodes that I've not watched. Probably more. I can't <laughs> remember because it's all a big brown blur. Brown blood. Everything just felt brown in that series. But we'll get to that. Let's start <laughs> at the beginning. Well, yes, because with the new series coming up, and as we talked about the trailer last week, the visuals of the new trailer have sold a little bit more. And I've been reading Doctor Who magazine this week. Oh, you, should, you should buy it. The Time Team feature is uh, particularly excellent. Um, I was reading it this week, and it sort of set things up about the relationships with the characters a bit more. Apparently, the Twelfth Doctor is more of a mentor to Bill, the new companion, which is a bit more traditional Doctor Who, you know, like the idea of the professor and the student, which is how a lot of the relationships were with some of the companions. Do you think they're going to aim for a sort of seventh and eighth dynamic? I think that's what they're going for, more more of a uh, professorial I'm down for that, I'm down to clown. Because it would be be different as as far as the modern version of the show goes, we've not had that yet. No. Uh, The closest we had to that was... 
um, sort of bits of Eccleston and Rose were kind of like that. Before the romantic. Before the romance yeah. blooms a bit more. Um, but it didn't really happen until Tenet. Well, exactly. And the Night Doctor and Rose have a love, but it, uh, it doesn't quite... But they dare it, not it, speak it, its it, name. Exactly. It, it's never going to go that far. But then he evolves into her ultimate boyfriend. If you want to hear more about this, go and listen to Nine is Ten on iTunes. Um, or on YouTube, because, you know, then I get money. So, there's that. Uh, 12th anniversary of Quote Unquiet Dead the other day. Yes. That was really weird. Um, Great story. To think it was 12 years old. Great story. So good. Um, Phantasmagoria. I love it. I love um, it so much. It's so good. <laughs> But, uh, God, I could go on forever about Sneed, just be like, oh, we've got another one, as another corpse rises from the dead. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but, you know, we haven't really had that yet. And also, apparently, Nardole is in a bit of a, a butlery slash babysitter role to the Doctor. Which like, seems, he's his, he's his, he's his, he's his sort of, his caddy. His caddy. But the Doctor apparently refers to him in the first story constantly as mum. Like, yes, mum. And all this, so it's like Nardole's sort of keeping on top of him as well, giggity. Um, oh, that's going to be all over Tumblr, you know that. Oh, yeah. But that alone has... Uh, oh, I'm on top. Uh, but that oh. alone that alone has made me excited in a way where I'm like, okay, different dynamic relationship-wise with the leads. I'm interested to see where this goes. Bring it on. I hate emoji robots, but I like the setting of that episode. By the look of the visuals, it looks gorgeous. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm intrigued by the most at the moment. They've gone for the old... Um, New Who structure as well. First episode is modern day. Second episode is outer space. Third episode is historical. Which was a formula for the first three or four years of the show. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, they've gone back to that. Uh, So to sort of gear ourselves up a bit, because by the time you're listening to this, you either will uh, have already seen the first episode of New Doctor Who, if you're watching it, or if you're listening to this on release, it's out, like, tomorrow. Yes, this will so... be up on Thursday the 13th, or Friday the 14th, depending on... <gasps> Friday the 14th? <gasps> My God, sir! Depending on where you, depending on how you're listening or watching. Yes, with your um, eyes and nose. And the first episode of New, New Who, which is called what? The Pilot. The Pilot. Season 10, episode 1. The Pilot. Ironic. Yeah, um, well, it's, be... it apparently was a conscious choice. It was going to be called right up until the last minute, um, a star in her eye. But Stephen mm. Moffat is in the matter. It's all in Doc- it's all in DWM. Stephen Moffat changed it because it sounded a bit like something else. I can't remember what it is. Oh, because I think Mark Gatiss apparently pointed out that it sounded a bit too much like a talent show. Yeah. So he was like a new title, and they went for the pilot, which will make sense in the story, but also because it's like here we go again. We're starting afresh. You know, a, a year before it starts afresh for again. One, for one last time. Oh, um, God. Yeah, that Although there's, there's rumours that the next series won't be out next spring, it'll be out next autumn. So again, with the freaking delays. But that goes out on Saturday the 15th, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, we thought to prepare ourselves, we are a bit sceptical. We are a bit... I'm more than a bit sceptical. Although the last trailer has is, is me, is me more intrigued than but, the previous stuff. But we're not like we're not cheerleaders anymore. We're sort of in that weird little you've got to try and sell it to us thing. So we decided let's have a bit of a, a bit of an examine. Bit of, let's, let's flop the corpse onto the table as it were. And have a poke around. Have a poke around. Perform a dissection. Nay. Before we get the lightning rod out and see if we can resurrect it. Dirty swine. Oy. Of the twelfth Doctor's era. It's alive. So alive. Oh God. So let's go blow by blow by G. Blow by blow. The Twelfth Doctor first appears in Day of the Doctor as a pair of eyes and eyebrows 
And to date, it is still the best moment involving that character as far as I'm concerned. Ooh, harsh. I just mean in terms of impact, because when that happened, it was like a slap to the face. Mm -hmm. They'd never done that before. They were never in a position where they knew who the next person was going to be, so had the next Doctor appear prematurely. That was kind of cool. So yeah, that's a thing. Then we get him at the end of time with the Doctor very briefly. Um, with I like the regeneration yeah. I, I, in terms of the physical moment I like the fact that it's yeah. just snap and he's there because you're not expecting it and it kind of set that tone <coughs> he said dying yeah. it sets the tone of you know you really don't know what to expect going forward now things aren't going to be straightforward this costume suggested that that infamous picture that every bastard used in every article forever for the rest of time of him pointing and flicking his arm out to the side and showing off a bit of coat. Mm. That little red lining suggests, ooh, there's a bit more under the surface here. There's a flat, that flash of something else. Oh, the costume must be picked very well, because what the vibe we're getting so far is that this Doctor's going to not, not be what we expect on the surface. And then the episodes start. Now, Deep Breath. Where were you when Deep Breath came out? Or when did oh, you sorry, I it? thought we were telling <clears throat> Fair. <laughs> Deep um, breath. Cook um, your asshole. Lay back. Loosen your clothing and think of England. Where were you when you watched Deep Breath? Was it on TX? Was it on iPlayer afterwards? Um, I was very drunk at the time. So what's new? So I have no recollection. <laughs> I was dead at the time. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I woke up dead. I believe <laughs> I watched it on transmission. And I watched it and was like... It's fine. <laughs> There's nothing really to hate there. It's not setting my world on fire. <laughs> That's a pretty decent review of Who's, who's this Missy Bint? <laughs> well, we didn't know what she was called at that point, did we? Yeah. Uh... No, she just said um, something about my boyfriend or whatever. Have you met my boyfriend? Yes. Like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I watched it in the cinema. Uh, it was, I think it was the last bit of Who, I might be wrong, but it was in, it was in theatres, um, and my partner bought me, t- bought us tickets as a little treat, so off we went on that Saturday to go watch it, and at the time, I didn't like it. <laughs> Retroactively, I kind of liked Deep Breath a lot more than I did on, on, on that first viewing, but I just sat there and it finished, and it was only about... 20 people in the cinema, in this screening. And it finished. And there was a five, ten minute gap where in London they were getting ready to do a Q&A on the stage at like The View or The Odeon where they were live screening it in a theatre in, in London. Mm-hmm. So between the end of the episode and the start of the Q&A, we got a five minute version of what, I, thought, I think it's gone now, but Doctor Who Extra. We got a five minute version of that. Um, and then a pause of nothing. And just the screen was just quiet, and everyone was just kind of in this, huh, yeah. sort of mood. Um, huh. And I think it was, it, oh god, I don't really know what it is with Deep Breath, but it, it's, it's not brilliant. And maybe it's because the benchmark set up before it was one of the better examples. So it's it's a Doctor's first story. They can be either really dull or really exciting, and with various degrees in between. Yeah. Um, like Spirit from Space, great. Robot, fun, 
but not like the strongest example of that doctor or his his style or era. Uh, Castrovalva, dull as a fucking bucket of dead frogs. It, yeah, I find it so boring. It is. It is. After, after hello, that. I'm back. I'm going to lie in a tic tac for especially, four episodes. Coming after like the sort of wonderful sort of madness um, of tracking dream, a logopolis, dreamlike funerary mm. haze that is logopolis. Oh, it's just, yeah. The whole story just feels like there's something. Mm. It just feels this is sort of malevolence coming up. Even when you get something to, is coming. Even for when him. you get to the silly sort of cardboard planet and everyone with the big heads, it, yeah, it still feels there's still a still a melancholy to it, which is very, uh, which is oppressive. Um, but, but then you get the new guy lying yeah, in the box for, for four weeks. Yeah, it's, like, it's just not quite. Uh, and then. Twin Dilemma misses the mark in so many ways. Twin Dilemma is dog shit. Is it as dog shit as the next one? Time and the no. Rani? I've never seen Time and the Rani, actually. Really? I've seen clips of it. I was so forced to watch it. I've seen, by... some of the, I've seen some infamous clips of it, but I've never actually sat down. I was beautifully it. forced to watch it by a uh, friend of the show, Tom Reese K. He bought me before. several copies. I, I told him, I, this is the la- that's the last one I'll buy on DVD. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got a parcel the next week with the DVD, VHS, and Target novelization of it inside. <laughs> it was like, you swine! He was like, you've got to watch it now. You've got them all. It's like, damn it. Um, TV movies, sort of its own little thing. Um, Rose isn't really a post-regeneration story, but it's, you know, it's a regeneration of the show, whatever. Yeah. Christmas Invasion is great yeah. because it's a great story. And then, like, the cherry on the cake is the new Doctor. Uh, so there's that. Like the Christmas Invasion would have worked as a really good story without it being a regeneration. Obviously, you'd have had to come up with a different... Um, Role for the Doctor in it. And yeah, yeah, a different sort of uh, reason for why he would he was out of action for most of it. But it, it would have worked great. The same. And then Eleventh Hour is probably one of the finest like series openers of Doctor Who ever. Like, it's a really great mission statement. It's, boom, this is where we're going with it this year. Yeah, this is the vibe. Whole first Matt Smith season. This is a guy that you're completely like, I don't, who is this guy? By the end of it, you're like, yeah, he's the Doctor. Yeah. That's 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 the new Doctor. I buy him. Let's see where he goes from here. So Deep Breath had a lot to live up to based on like the last two post-regeneration stories, at least. I did it. I just, so you get, they try and bring in the familiar elements of Vastra Strax and Jenny as like a carryover, but they sort of dominate the story, particularly Strax, dominates the story a bit too much with the comedy. Mm. Um, you've got Clara, the most annoying thing, here's the thing I hate about Deep Breath, Clara's character arc, which is, I don't know if I can trust him anymore, he's not the man I knew. And even Vastra's like, you bitch. That's basically what she said, you bitch. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? He's your friend. Like, don't be a dick. But that's the thing, out of all the companions, to be fine with it, the show has tried to sell us that Clara would be the one. Because she's met them all. Her second to last adventure was with three of them. She knows it's the same guy, but he's a bit different. Yeah, but... She bonded with the War Doctor, the one who's apparently a mass murderer and unforgivable. Yeah, but... Clara... And then here's this old man, and she's suddenly like, oh, I can't Chris, shag him. You're forgetting, <laughs> you're forgetting Clara's defining character trait. Which is? She is whatever the story needs it to be at any, po- at any point. True. And then there's also that really horrible thing of they do the they do the recycled recycled older enemy as backdrop thing, which Rose does, and Rose does very well. Yeah, with the Autons. Um, but in this one, it's oh, it's the Clockwork Droids, but they're a bit different, and we don't really know what the point of them is. 
And... Oh, it's the same plot. They're repairing themselves. And then Capaldi's upstage, like his character's entrance is upstage by the appearance from the last guy, who at this point is immensely yeah. popular. Yeah. And it's really weird. It's, it's like, like you try to have your cake and eat it. And you don't really eat it, you just sort of get it all over your face. Yeah. And make it a mess. It's so odd. I know, I know, you've dropped some on your crotch now, so you know he's going to look like a pervert he's wiping <laughs> it off. <laughs> Pretty much. Come on. Oh, God, but enough about our recent trip to Costa Coffee. The Sorry. point is that, um, they, <laughs> Jesus, they had, so they've got that, but then, then it ends on a mission statement that's quite clear, which is, I know that what's about to happen to me is going to be tough on me. I'm going to, the next me is going to be really confused. You need to be there for him. Mm. Make sure he's okay. Which would be interesting because it means the series arc could be the Twelfth Doctor is not quite right and Clara has to help him feel himself again. Giggity. That would be a great story arc but that doesn't happen then after that episode. No. It doesn't happen because they, they end the episode on that note that maybe he's a bit of a doddery old man and he's, a, mean, bit, he's a bit shaken because he's the whole like let's get coffee. I, I don't have any money and he sort of seems a bit lost and do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, is this going to be the story? Are we going to fall in love with Clara this year? Is she going to be likeable? Because she's going to bring back our friend that we all love watching. Is she going to make him... Oh, sorry. That's they the, abandon it. That's the subclause to the Clara rule. <laughs> is that God. She is whatever the story needs it to be at any point. But she is never likeable. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Oh, God. Positives about Deep Breath. A, a dinosaur wandering down the Thames is a great freaking visual yeah. in Victorian London. Yeah. And the fact that the dinosaur's there is because the TARDIS, like, is out of control, got eaten by a T-Rex, and then went to the Victoria. Like, that's a cool, fun, whiz-bang, oh, look at how silly this is idea. I like that. Mm. Um, I think the look of the, 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 the clockwork guy, the, the half-faced bloke, is pretty cool. Like, the practical effects of that are very well done. Yeah. Uh, the 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 holding her breath sequence is brilliantly tense. Yeah. That is really well directed. Um, and I kind of like their weird scene in the restaurant where they're bickering, you know, like faffing around. And the scene with him with the vagrant, with the with the homeless guy who he's talking about his face in the mirror, yeah, is great. Funny. And it sets up something that it never pays off properly, but it's a great setup. I don't know. I just deep, I don't think deep breath is. There are mo- there are many bad things to come after this, but deep breath on repeat viewings, you can you can focus more on what's nice about it. It's hardly the worst. Then Ben Wheatley gets to wield more directorial power and take us into, into the Dalek. Dalek. Um, no, no, literally, yeah, literally into the Dalek. <laughs> oh God. Tell us about Into the Dalek, Chris. Into the Dalek is journey to the center of the Earth. It's uh, what's the what's the the original story about a person being shrunk down to go into another person? The ama- amazing journey, something like that. Something like the amazing voyage. Amazing voyage. So it's that story, but inside a Dalek, like a human faction's fighting a lot of Daleks, and um, they have to. I think you know. They've got hold of one. They got to do and some it's, stuff. It's sort. It seems defective in a way, so they're going to go in and examine it inside to find. I'm, this, but this is all from memory. They could try to find. I think it's a way to maybe affect them all or shut them all down or something by examining it from the inside. Yeah. See like if there's the, like a hive mind kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we find that it's got antibodies inside it that fight back. 
uh, which would be cool, but the Tesselector already did that. Yes. A couple series prior. Yeah. So we've already seen that. Um, they... Are you saying that there are cycling <laughs> ideas in this one, Chris? Because I don't yeah. think... I don't, I don't, some of the inside, oh, no. some of the design of the inside no. of the Dalek is well. The last one was girl, girl in the fireplace. This one may as well be let's kill Hitler. Yes, um, they, they get inside, and the inside of the Dalek is sort of a bit more cavernous and fantastical than yes. we know it to actually be, based on what we've seen of the insides of Daleks. Um, oh no, the reason they want to go inside this Dalek is because it seems to have developed a conscience. Oh, that was yeah, and they 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 they. they toy with Rusty and they change him so that he's still full of hate and everything. They yeah. call it Rusty, don't they? He's still full of hate and all that shit, but he redirects it at the Daleks. So at the end of the story, Rusty is a Dalek murdering Dalek. Pretty much. What? How many years later is it? Three years later? <laughs> They've not followed up on that? Okay, nope. whatever. Nope. Um, so there's that. Uh, just some nice direction. Uh... She's my carer. What? She cares so I don't have to. I can't decide whether that's a good line or not. I think I like it. It's their relationship that stops it it's, from being a likeable line. They're, they're trying to establish Clara as his moral centre. But, but the moral centre that visits him once a week on yeah, appointments. They then don't do anything with it. No. Like, it, it, they, set up, they set up a concept yeah. and then forget it. Yeah. Then you get to the next story. On to the next story, uh, we forget all the stuff. Which is weird because this series was shot in order. Yeah. It was chronological for the most part. Yeah. It's, what the heck? So, so this story introduces Daddy Pink. Yeah. Probably the only likeable character in series yeah. 8. And I even like then, even I then... Want... He's not like when he goes. It's like fine. I'm fine with him going. Yeah. I'm not sad that he's leaving. Yeah. Um. He's a PE teacher who's an ex-soldier who apparently has some demons. Is he a PE teacher? Uh. I think he's a maths teacher, but he, he doubles up as PE as well because he teaches like physical defense or some like that, like sort of self-defense classes. Um, I think Doctor Who, as with classes written by someone who hasn't been to school. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in Cole Hill. It's so long. It's in Cole Hill. It's the fourth appearance of Cole Hill in the show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, unquite, uh, unquite dead. Empty Child, Remembrance of the Daleks, um, Day of the Doctor, and in as of Into the Empty Dalek child. and Unearthly Child. Unearthly Child. He said Empty Child. I was like, yeah. when the fuck is called? Because they're both from Series One. Huh? Go away. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sorry, technically I should be calling it Ten Thousand Years BC. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that. Um, but, yeah, it, as of this episode, Coal Hill becomes a regular location. Great. Because that's exactly what we needed. Because Coal Hill's Sunnydale High, did you know that? Did, uh, yeah. Did you know Bung that? Bungholes of time. Bungholes of time, my friend. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the Dalek is mostly inoffensive. It's fine. But it's also not particularly memorable. Like, uh, Michael I... Smiley's in it. And is sort of wasted a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there's that. Like uh like all the guest stars in yeah. uh in, in Well speaking of guest stars, let's let's move on to an episode where a guest star's plot got shafted for unfortunate real life reasons. Matt, tell me about the plot of Robot of Sherwood. Robot of Sherwood. Yes. Um so <laughs> This is the new part of the podcast where we try and make each other remember something we don't give a shit um, about. It's okay. <laughs> I've got T V tropes for that. Um, oh damn it! Yay! Damn it! So basically no, put it down from memory. Right, from right, memory, okay, put okay, it okay. down. Okay, so put it down. We're best of the worst in the this doctor's, shit. The doctor's, <laughs> the doctor's like, Clara, where do you want to go? 
Where's our... my pal? Where are we going? And, uh, my... <laughs> Clara, be my pal. Uh, <laughs> American man. Where would you like to go today on our <laughs> weekly appointment to travel the whole of time space? Um, <laughs> and Michael McIntyre's time and space roadshow. Michael McIntyre is the 13th Doctor. I'm calling it right now. Oh, God. Um, and she's like, I want to go meet Robin Hood. To which the Doctor's like, you know there isn't a Robin Hood, right? You know that's, that's not a real thing. There was never a Robin Hood. It's like a French legend. It was like co-opted by British Norman Invaders. It's like, it's not fucking Robin Hood. It's like, it's a story. It's, it's not a thing, Clara. It's not a thing, Clara. It's not it's a thing. It's not real. Well, she won't take no for an answer, so he's like, all right, um, I'll take you to when you think it was supposed to be, and I'll take you to Sherwood Forest, and I'll show you the original Robin Hood. Takes her along. <laughs> fucking, there's an actual... Of course he's Robin Hood. Yeah. Robin Hood and his merry men and he's so merry and so dashing <laughs> and he drives a doctor up the fucking wall. Yeah. And of course he's an evil sheriff of Nottingham which is, what's his name? Um, ben Miller. Ben Miller. Um, and they get caught up in it and it turns and it turns out that of course the... Uh, <laughs> what is it he says? The, um, the sheriff of Nottingham has, has teamed up with the, with some sort of aliens, robots help, who were yeah. looking for what was the, what was it called the story arc for that for that first portion of the series? Uh, the Promised Land. The Promised Land. Yeah. yeah. Again, and when it eventually pays off, it makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> look at this lush garden, which apparently is just a series of balconies in a city in a ball. Yeah, basically. Um, oh God. Uh, so he. So yeah, he's teamed up with these aliens and he's helping them build a ship in the in the castle and he's got all the people enslaved and all all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so of course they the Doctor gets captured and Clara has to save the day by utilising skills that she didn't have before because Clara is whatever you needed to be in every episode <laughs> depending on what you needed to be. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Ben Miller does get the fab... Oh, I can't remember the exact line now but it is. It's like, today, Nottingham, tomorrow... London, or something, something like, like that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just like Norwich. Like, no, yeah, Norwich. Something like that. It's great. Um, I think Ben Miller's great in this. Ben Miller's great. I can't remember the actually plays Robin Hood, but he's having a blast. Oh yeah, because it is like the. It's not like I love. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it's the whole. It's the the Robin Hood of the tales of the folk yeah, tales. It's not it's not, like, not of the gritty movies. It's not the like modern that. sort of Prince of Thieves Robin Hood. It's. <laughs> it's swashbuckling. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Robin Hood. Um, um, Carrie Elwes. Ca- no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. Errol ca- Flynn. Yeah, Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Errol Flynn. Oh, that's Everyone's old favorite. school Robin Hood. Everyone's favorite. I couldn't remember his name. I'm not that fucking old. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's like the the Errol Flynn ass Errol Flynn Robin Hood, which is great. The Disney Robin Hood, like fox in human form. It's just everything's great and, and he, wonderful, and, and we're on a merry he, adventure. He's so. Mere that you can just see it winding the Doctor up so much. It's a story premise I really like. And him there are going, bits him, of it I really him like. Him going to a portion in history to go, no, what you're talking about never happened, only to find that it did. And he's like, what the hell? What This isn't, no, this doesn't compute. Like I like that as a story set up yeah. idea for Doctor Who. I think that's a lot of fun. And I do like the tension between him, between Robin and the Doctor. Yeah. And I like because I like it when when Peter Capaldi is grumpy. Because that's the thing. But at the end of the story, Robin Hood basically sets up to him that like, yeah, um, like, I think he sort of suggests to him like you you become just a, like your stories in my head. And he's like, maybe that's what I need to be. 
like maybe that's what I might the stories of what we did are more important than the factual accuracy of whether we actually did this or not. Yeah. It's all a bit silly, but it it, it works at the end of the episode. And yeah. again, it's all about the doctor coming to terms with am I a good man, which is something the previous episode set up as this is the storyline for this. Series. But again, never really pays off. Never really pays off that. beyond these episodes. Apart until you get to the last one recently, like, am I good? Am I bad? No, I'm an idiot. And all this like, what is going on? <laughs> so um yeah. I have fun with this one. Um unfortunate real life events screwed up um the edit of the TV show there was violent, a violent act elsewhere in the world meant that they removed the original ending where uh, the sheriff gets beheaded only to reveal that he is now partly converted by these robots himself yeah um which was the robot of Sherwood of the title uh the robots are bland they sort of look like boring versions of the the, the Vok robots like with sort of and helmets, and that's disappointing because I love the Vok robots. Then please do not throw hands at me. Please do not throw um, hands at me. But yeah, it's it's inoffensive. It's pretty cheesy. It, it follows the exact same Robin Hood plot that most Robin Hood plots follow: fake, uh, fake a uh, disguise at the archery competition, disguise and all that stuff. sneaking in and, and getting captured and breaking a Come on, Miller, is actually really. Come on, Ronnie, yeah. let's give him the chop. Oh, if you want to watch a really good version of Robot Sherwood, watch watch Robot Sherwood till sort of about the ten minute mark, and then just put on Mel Brooks's Men in Tights for about twenty minutes in, <laughs> and pretend it's the same story. <laughs> um, and then, then the Doctor just disappeared. <coughs> he exactly. said, "Clara, let's. This is <clears throat> Sherwood is a silly place. Let us not go." <laughs> It's inoffensive, it's a romp, and in retrospect, it's one of the more, like, if I had to pick a bunch of 12th Doctor episodes, I'd go, oh, go on, that one's a laugh, I'll stick yeah. that one on. This is prob- you could probably build, like, a top five of not terrible episodes, <laughs> and this would be in there. Well, let's see if this next one is hit me, and let me see if I can remember what the fuck it's about. This is Listen. <gasps> oh, Christ! I was a freak when this episode came out, because I hated it, and the internet thought I was insane. I actually like Listen. You're, like you're the freak, sir. I'm Aunt Petunia and you're Lily frickin' Potter later. She wasn't Potter Lily, at the time. Lily Petunia. Whatever her name Something was. Something or other. So listen. <laughs> the doctor starts to determine that when we're alone, we're not actually alone. <laughs> Why? And that there is a creature or a species that surrounds us that's perfect defense is to appear like it doesn't exist. So it's always around. Somehow this ties into Danny's past because Clara is fucking... The long and the short of it is, it's the monster under the bed. This episode exists to make Clara into a more important figure yet again. Oh, of course. She does. informs the doctor's entire life philosophy. She puts the fear of the unknown in him as well as like setting up his mission statement mm. when he's a child in that fucking barn. Like all that shit. Oh, they're the doctor. I never once assumed that barn was part of his life. I was just like he's found he's found a little like place on the outskirts away from Gallifrey where he can detonate the moment. Yeah. And then this episode goes like, oh no, no, the barn was significant. It's where he grew up. It's like I'm sorry, that barn'll be freaking dead by now. 
after a Dalek attack, that bomb, that bomb, not only, if it doesn't burn up by itself, it goes, nah, and it folds down into a pile. <laughs> uh, it's made of sticks, for Christ's sake. The Gallifrey and Wolf huffed and puffed and blew it down. Damn right. So it makes Clara more important. It makes her seem like a, an idiot because of the way she's reacting with Danny at the dates. It's it's doing the whole thing of like being a companion of the Doctor means your love life is hard to maintain. It's like, but what, what, what? Why is the Doctor like the other man? Why is that the storyline? Why is the Doctor the other man in her life? Why? Why is this the angle you're taking? Get in the goddamn TARDIS and go on some adventures, you ungrateful shit. Um, so there is that. I just I, Capaldi's having fun creating an atmosphere. But then we've got Orson Pink, who later on, we realise, couldn't have existed. Danny Pink's descent couldn't have existed. Yep. So what the fuck was that about? Yep. And why is he played by um, Thingy, other than for that moment of, Danny? No, it's not Danny. You get a different actor to play him. Yep. Like, eight, nine generations down the line, he wouldn't look exactly the same as it. It's, oh, Christ. Yep. I hate Listen. And I don't understand why people put it on a pedestal. I don't tell me why. Tell me why I should like it a bit more, um, Matt Watson. I tell don't... me for why as I thrust my goblet upon this table. Um, I don't put listen on a pedestal. If you were to put any of the episodes, the episodes on a pedestal, they'd have to be a pretty short fucking pedestal. But um, unless it's ninety percent of Mummy on the Orient Express, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, uh, I enjoy the atmosphere of it. Yeah, I think there's some genuinely cool um, sort of horror moments, hmm. like the the thing under the under the, the duvet. thing under the duvet. What is that? Never explained. What is that? It's never explained. What is outside? What is outside in the in the future? We don't know. We don't know. It's it never ne- explained. It's it. never explained because it was all in in his head. Except the other characters heard it. So was it in his? Head? It wasn't in his head. It can't have been in his head because Clara heard the banging. Danny, not Danny, Orson heard the banging. Um, the kid knows there's something in the room. Mm. Like, <laughs> I like the atmosphere of it. I like the ambiguity of it. In retrospect, yes, the Orson Pink stuff makes no sense. Yeah. But as, a, as an episode of TV in and of itself, I think it, it's largely successful. But um, You freak. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> you super freak. Super freak. In, in, You're super freaky. Retros- in retrospect, the Orson Pink stuff is kind of like, what? Why and how? Because Stephen Stephen Moffat co-write all the episodes in in this series. Yeah, I think. Well, and aren't the scripts usually completed before they start shooting? But you're getting at that. So, so why yeah. why is it so loose and unexplained? Yeah. Well, maybe the next episode will make sense if I remember. Chronologically, the next one is Time Heist. You are correct, sir. What's the plot of Time Heist, Matt? Um, I'll give you a clue. Yeah. There's a bank. Yeah. There's a motley crew. There's <laughs> a motley crew. A motley crew. Yeah. And not like the rock band, like no, a, no. a motley crew of people. It's a motley crew um, of. You are all. It's a shapeshifter. It's a shapeshifter. A, like a cyborg. Oh yeah, cyborg hacker. Uh, the Doctor Clara. Is there someone else? Um. Probably, I think there's someone I'll have else, to look it up. but I don't. Um, know. But but yeah, so there's there's a group of peeps who are doing what? What they're doing, Matt? Uh, they're breaking into a bank. Yeah, they've boy. been tasked to break into an unbreakable bank by some dude called the Architect, mm. or maybe it's a dudette. We don't know. It's someone. This mysterious figure called the Architect is like, 
Oh, you can't break into the bank. Uh, but you can break into the bank, or else. And what? 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 Why did they have to go along with it, Matt? Have they got co- like explosive collars on or something? Is it some sort? Uh, of there's like a hostagey black... sort of thing, like the TARDIS, yeah. for example. Is that like, if you're oh, going to want it back, you've got to fucking no. Yeah. Um, what's the monster, Matt? What's the, what's the it, threat? It's it's a new monster mask with these eyes on it. Yeah. In one of the uh, sanctuary based spacesuits. Yeah, pretty it's much. Space yeah. jacket. <laughs> it's it's the teller. I remember I remember the monster because I remember being really impressed with the monster. It was, it's called the teller. Oh yeah, it's a really cool design. And it, it's yeah, yeah. it's sort of like it's scan. Like a psychic it, monster, like, isn't it? It, it yeah. scans for lies. It sort of like looks for lies and deception. And then can mentally destroy you from the brain outwards as a punishment. Yeah. Um, in a genuinely disturbing scene where, scene where they confront this one guy and it sort of, it turns his brain to soup. Yeah. And you see his skull concave. Yeah. That's nice and freaky. And I yeah. think the teller's a pretty cool design. It's the look cool of it is very alien. But even though it's the monster threat, by the end of the story... My favourite trope, boys and girls. It turns out that it's actually being misunderstood. And it's in love with another monster. And they're going to be free together. Hide. You saw it in Hide. You did it in Hide. So there's that. Keely Hawes is in it as the villain. Uh, And she's wasted. Yes. Um, And not not like in a good way. No, no, no. Not not like, let's sit down, smoke a doobie and talk about Lara Croft. No, she's she's just, you know. Um, Ashes to Ashes. Was it Funk to Funky? Did you know Major Tom was a junkie? Mm. Um, a nice supporting cast. Like Jonathan Bailey's the cyborg. He's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, like it's just and Capaldi's in a decent form, and you get you get a reveal of the. There's a bit where they're going through known criminals in the thing, yeah, and you see like a member of the Slovene family, yeah, and you see Absalom Dart, <laughs> but in an illustration form. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's just dumb. Like if the rest of them were also illustrations, that would make sense. But it's just blatantly a panel from a comic book you've put on the screen. Like at least, at least sod it. Just put a physical actor in makeup and costume and stick him on for that one frame. That'd be great. That's yeah, all we like, need. yeah, they're really going to spend that much money. They're using they're reusing, most of the monster <laughs> costume is a sanctuary based spacesuit. That's true. They're really going to spend that money, Chris. I watched this drunk with Richard B. Brooks and Crystal D in uh, Birmingham. Um, and then I... we forgot all about it and played uh, PlayStation Move games in the driveway. Oh, okay. With the window open, so we could hear if we were winning from the TV. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Stupid. That seems that seems uh, that seems sensible. Yeah. Um. It's it's an it's kind of a forgettable. It's fine. And the twist is the architect is, is the, the same person yeah. you thought it was going to be from the beginning. Let's be brutally honest. Yes. Um. Yeah. What's next? Let's see if I can remember the plot. What's the next episode? Uh, Mattathias Brown. If that is indeed your real name. It's definitely not. Oh, the next one's your favourite. What? The caretaker. Oh, piss. (laughs) Now, disclaimer. I quite like the caretaker because it reminds me, in terms of its vibe, it's very Sarah Jane Adventures in places. The Scovox Blitzer. The Scovox Blitzer. Or as I like to call it, or as I like to call it, the last interesting new thing put in the show. <laughs> um, Scovox Blitzer is a really cool little design and the best toy to come out of the three inch line as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very Sarah Jane Adventures. It's a mystery set in a school. And it it's a better episode of class than any episode of class ever would be. Yeah. Um, Danny finally sort of learns about what the hell's going on. He meets the other guy and gets involved with it. And we see for the first time that drama hall that becomes a staple of class later. 
Um, that one set. That, that's in the old Coal Hill building, but apparently is also in the new Coal Hill building, based on freaking class. Yeah. Um, they literally just took one room yeah. and plonked it down. What's the schoolgirl's name? Is it Courtney? I uh, think so. Who I thought they were going to bring her back for class. I thought that was kind of the whole point, but then they didn't. They didn't, yeah. Especially if you were going to have a younger kid moved up to the higher classes. Yeah. Well, that no, would that would make been, sense as the... She'd have been the right age by then, wouldn't she? Well, yeah, but if you wanted to do the whole higher kid brought up, like her oh, intelligence yeah. could have expanded because after the events of this episode, the next one, she might have gone into full-blown research mode because guess what? One day, she's apparently going to be president of the United States. Apparently That's the so. thing they set up in the next episode. Which is the thing that, you know... Uh, that's exactly how... The, you can't be president if you're not an American citizen. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank that's you very not, much. No, not, we're not, that's not us saying... We don't think it's possible. We're saying that's literally the law. Yeah. For Christ's sake. actual law. Um, oh, God. Uh, she was fine in this episode. I like the idea of just the school kid being a dick to the caretaker. That's mm. quite funny. Uh, Capaldi's fun in this story. But it's... In the long run, it's mostly forgettable. And I don't think that's down to, like, the script, for example, or the performances. It's just because, I don't know, it's everything that comes after it drowns it out, either because everything that comes after it is terrible or a bit better. Yeah. Uh, the next episode's Kill the Moon, isn't it, Matt? Kill I'm gonna take a, I'm going to take a goddamn moon. step back. Because I don't want to talk about this. What's the plot of Kill I the Moon, Matt? I actually can't remember the plot of Kill the Moon. Um, so I might have I'll, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you a refresher. So it's basically some shit's been going on on Earth, and the moon's acting funny, and they've sent like the last <laughs> spaceship to the moon. It's like it's sort of like it's like two hundred years. No, it's like a ramshackle ship with a yeah. ramshackle crew. Like literally the only people they could find who could go up there. Yeah, and they're not properly qualified, and they're they've got the basics down. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, they basically been saying, "Oh God, that's how Kill the Moon makes me feel." Um, to to be like, "Oh, we can sort this out because if we can't sort this out, then everything's gonna go wrong." I can't remember what it is that the well, moon's doing though. Is this episode, this episode is an abortion. No, literally, this episode is about abortion. That is what this episode is about. Awesome. Tell that's me, what Kill the Moon's about. Tell me why Kill the Moon is about abortion. Because essentially, they find out that the moon is an egg. Yes, I remember that. And the that creature one. living in it is about to hatch. Uh, yes, I also remember that. Now, because the moon is shaking and cracking and changing, it's disrupting the tides on Earth and places are starting to flood. And if the moon hatches, everything's going to go to shit on Earth and everyone's going to drown and die and there's going to be earthquakes and, you know, yeah. the weather's going to freak out and everything. So they've got to make the decision as to whether or not to let this creature hatch and the Earth will just have to deal. Or kill the creature, leave the moon in the state it's currently in because the creature inside will be dead, and then the Earth will be fine. So they're having to do... It's basically a, do we terminate this fetus? That is the plot of the, of the film, of the film, of the episode. It's annoying for several reasons. The episode starts because the, the kid, Courtney, whatever her name is, feels like she's um, a bit shit because the Doctor's made her feel a bit shit. After the last episode. Mm. So Clara's like, you cheer her up. So he's like, right, I'll make you the first schoolgirl on the moon. Come on, we're going to the moon. And they go to the moon conveniently at this point in time in the future. Um, so already it's a stupid premise for an episode. But add on to that. He, he leaves Clara, the, the head of the expedition, and, and the kid 
there to decide the fate. Because he's like, it's not up to me, it's up to you, it's your planet. Yeah. I mean, that's really odd. Because in one way, Clara's been built up to be the dog's bollocks. She's the shit. Because she's she, the one in charge. Because she literally is. Yeah, she... Whatever you need her to be yeah. at any moment in time. But, like, she constantly scolds him and he's like, no, I know what I'm doing, you're an idiot. Like, you're a big, fat, stupid idiot. I'm the clever one. You're a big, stupid goo-goo So he leaves her the choice of dealing with a admittedly very difficult thing to touch on. Yeah. But at the same time, we're not... Right, we're not getting into real-world... Abortion, birth control, that's not what we're talking about. If I'm looking at this story, this story in the context of the story, I'd be like, well, it's obvious. I'm really sorry, but you kill the thing that's in the moon and you yeah. save the billions of people on the planet below. Yeah. Pure and simple. That's what you do. Yeah. It sucks that you have to kill something to do that. And that's but, a, that's but it's one life That's a serious billion. That's a serious amount of guilt you have to live with for the rest of your life. Yeah. But they were sent up oh. to the moon to do something about what's happening to the Earth. Yeah. And that's the, that's the option they've got. It also means, there's that whole stupid thing of, if you want us to kill it, leave your lights on, turn your lights on, so they can look down from the space, from the, from the moon and Cause see. Because that's, that's how the moon works. Which means half the planet don't get a say, apparently. Yeah. Um... And then Clara is like, I hate you, Doctor, I hate you. After like, I freaking hate you, I want to go. How I hate you, bees, I hate you, bees, you, I hate you, bees. How dare you put me in that position and all this. And it's like, yeah, no, you would be upset. And yeah. that is, I think that is the right reaction. But at the same time, you're apparently Miss Frickin' Wonderbread. Like, you're the most amazing thing to happen since sliced beetles. Why the hell <laughs> do you have... <laughs> this Wait, much of a problem with him. Beetles like sliced insects, or sliced beetles like the band sort of carved up in thin slices so you can display them like a Damon, uh, what's his name? <laughs> piece. We can make a Channel 4 documentary on them. Yeah. Great. Um, so just like open them up. Um, oh no, said Thomas. Uh, so, <laughs> so her reaction's understandable, but also, can we just remind you, the conclusion of the episode is the planet decides that they're going to let it live. And they decide they're going to let it live. Which makes no sense to me. Which means the Earth is going to suffer. Yeah. And then it hatches, and everything's fine, and the Doctor sort of suggests that he knew everything would be fine. Because it lays an egg, another egg. Because it curls away, and there's another egg exactly the same shape as what it was in a minute ago. Yeah. So there's another moon. So guess what? The moon has always been this, and every, like, seven million years or whatever, it hatches and leaves another one behind. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck Back off. off. The one positive I have to say about this episode is Clara leaves at the end. I was like, what an interesting place to leave that character. Yeah. I didn't see this coming. Yeah. And look at the trailer for next week. She's not in it. Interesting. Yeah. We should be so lucky. Matt, what's the next episode? Mummy on the Orient Express. This is the best Capaldi episode. I'm just saying. Hands. This is the best Capaldi episode. Fucking down. Because you could put any Capaldi other doctor episode. in it and it still works. Yeah. Um, it's a romp, it's sci-fi, it's horror. It's a murder mystery. It's a murder mystery. It's, it's finally delivering on a cool concept that we were told about in 2010. Yeah. Um, in fact, they even make a throwaway reference to it. It's like, oh, I've been putting it off. What? <laughs> so this is you only now just responding to the distress call that you got at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the Big Bang? Apparently so. Fuck off, Doctor. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, but obviously in that it's like, oh no, of course we'll deal with a, a mummy on the Orient Express. 
in space will be right there. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, oh, that's so then, disappointing. But, then we get fucking, what is it? Was it, it was a Christmas, Christmas oh, Carol, which, which I enjoy, but it's the whole thing of like, fine. oh my God, is that the plot of the Christmas special? I can't bloody wait. And, and then they, we don't get it. Then it's a fake out. But then when he gets there, and that isn't the setup, there isn't like a, a, a queen or whatever it was calling him to no. tell him about. So it's like, what? So this isn't the same story. What? Well, let's push that aside for a second. Yeah, because that's continuity really... destroys this episode as its own beast. It's great. Continuity destroys a lot in Doctor Who, so I just mm. tend to ignore especially in recent. Just ignore it unless it's important. Clara's like in comics. it. Clara's in it. I was really annoyed about it. Yeah, but the plot is one last. Like it's one last thing. I don't want to end us to end on completely bad terms. So come along on this on this little trip with me. A little of fun that's little how thing. all breakups work. Yeah. But also then it's revealed that, oh no, I brought you because it was a mystery and I wanted some help. But it's like, what? What is this? Um, The foretold is the creature. What a really cool way of killing people. Yeah. Really sci-fi way of killing people. Yeah. Stop the clock. Like, you see it and for 60 seconds it stalks you. And by the time that minute runs out, it's killed you. No one else can see it. Great idea. Really great idea. Because uh, it makes the victims feel completely helpless. It's like, once they see it, you're like, nope, that character's dead. That character is dying. Um, they do some weird bait-and-switch stuff where you think, like, the um, the security guy might be in on it somehow, or you think that Frank Skinner's, um, like, uh, engineer might be in on it somehow. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bit of that, and it works quite well. Capaldi gets this really lovely moment where he's brainstorming to himself in his cabin, and he's talking to himself in Tom Baker's voice. Yeah. That's really cool. And he's having like a little back and forth with himself. And it's like, is this going to be a thing? Are we going to see Capaldi sort of like have arguments with himself? That is, that's kind of cool. Never happens again. Again. Um, yeah, interesting concept that is introduced and never returned to. This starts the recurring thing as well. The 12th Doctor always wearing a variation of a Victorian outfit, like at least once a year as well. Yeah. That seems to be a thing. He, he's one of the few Doctors that has dressed up based on where they go. Yeah. Um... So there's that. Uh, Jenna Coleman's subplot's pretty decent. She, her with the other passenger, trying to investigate it, locked in part of the cabin and all that. So, like, that's kind of spooky. Because she's also a detective, because she is whatever you need to be here. Yeah, Clara's point. a detective. <laughs> um, it's, it's a fun story. It's got a really nice wrap-up. And also, Gus, the villain, we still don't know what it is or what it's about. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a sentient artificial intelligence that seems to be conducting horrific experiments. But guess what? It's a Stephen Moffat plot, so we're never going to find out what it was. No, we'll never find out what it No, was actually, about. no, it is one, because this, this one was completely written by Jamie Matheson. Jamie Matheson, who then seems to deliver again the following week with Flatline. Matt, what's the plot of Flatline? Flatline. Fucking hell. <laughs> right, so it's Fear Her with Scribbles. No. Um, people keep getting made two-dimensional. There's a two-dimensional monster out there. Yeah. And it keeps making people two-dimensional, and it's the Doctor Light episode of the season. Yes. Even though it's not really that Doctor Light. And the TARDIS gets shrunk. It's Doctor Light in that they probably shot all of Peter's scenes in one day on the TARDIS set. Yeah. Um, He's inside a tiny TARDIS, isn't he? The TARDIS gets shrunk. Like, out, out, outwardly, the dimensions of it are um, uh, minimised at least yes. twice. Because you get that funny sort of him climbing out of the doors and then you get to the point where it's just this tiny little thing <laughs> with a reference to thing from Adam's family when it, he's crawling like his hands sticking out the door and he's crawling with it there's some really cool there's some great visuals in Flatline 
there's some not very well pulled off CGI in Flatline as yes. well. But there's also some really good visual effects in Flatline too. Yes. Um, All the two-dimensional stuff is quite, from what I remember, is quite fun. The most impressive two-dimensional effect is uh, Clara. Um, <laughs> she's... <laughs> she's in the whole episode. You could swear she was a real girl. Um, so... I have killed him. I have killed him. Don't die, man. Breathe. Breathe. That's it's, it's one of the reasons why I can't love the episode because Cla- it's about Clara, like calling herself the Doctor and all that, and she's just she's oh, yeah, so she does. She's oh, so she's so smug and everything. I'm just like I don't enjoy oh. your your character. If if Rose Tyler went briefly undercover, calling herself the Doctor and playing a role. I find that hilarious. If Donna did it, it'd be freaking hilarious because she'd obviously be sort of overselling it and it'd be funny. If Martha did it, you go, well, you are a doctor and you are probably the most sensible person in that TARDIS at this moment. Like, that would work really well. You could almost get, you could almost imagine Amy getting away with it and it being amusing. Amy would just use her feminine wiles to make everyone believe that she's a doctor. And also Rory is a nurse, so. Well, yeah. That would work. but, Cla- but there's all that stuff. Ah. Clara, it just feels so smug. And it becomes this weird sort of story arc that's not quite explained as well. Because by the end of the series, there's that whole I'm the Doctor cliffhanger and her name appearing in the credits and her th- eyes in the credits as well. And it's like of, of the last episode of the series. So weird. Oh, yeah, that was so fucking stupid. But Flatline's got some nice visual effects. It's got some... Um, it's a cool, it's a cool mystery. Yeah, and I yeah. think I can't remember what they're called now, but the the monsters when you see them like crawling away, like zombie shambling at the end of the episode, the boneless—that's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a really cool, freaky visual, and the stuff with the trains cool. Um, I'll tell you what I do hate though, and a lot of people like it. I hate his speech. This was the first speech the Doctor gave where it felt like a speech. Like, we have to give him a speech. Capitalized speech. Yeah, the whole, that is the role yeah. you are determined to play, so I must now play mine. So I am the doctor. Because he ran, they're not called the boneless. He just calls them the boneless in the speech. And I name you the boneless. And he basically destroys them. Like, he destroys them because, oh, you're determined to be the villain, so I'm going to destroy you. Right? Okay. Um, Jovian Wade makes his debut in this as Riggsy. He's a fun character in this episode. It's nice that there's a nice normal guy. It's the first companion-esque character we've had in a while where they're like asking questions and learning about the world as it happens. Yeah. Um, more on him later. Uh, more on him. More on later. him. Uh, what's the next episode, you handsome swine? Trees! Christ. In the forest of the night. Whose turn is it? Uh, I tried to explain Flatline. Do you want to have a go in the forest of the night? Because I can give my, this, I can give my, my, I my can, sort of condensed version. I can definitely remember what happens in the forest of the night. Okay. Everyone goes to sleep. Yeah. Wakes up the next morning, <laughs> and trees have covered the entire planet. Yep. What? Nope. What? Nope. So people are walking around London, fucking. Lost because mm-hmm. isn't it like supposed to be a school trip on? So like all these kids, they are... were they they were doing a sleepover at the Natural History Museum. Oh yeah, because okay. you know kids do that. Hey, it's ha- it has happened. 
Yeah, and, but we're the, just two teachers, and they're all in their uniforms. The, the Legoland, and there's no the, one else in the museum. The Legoland, there's no one else in the museum, Matt. Oh yeah, okay. There's no one else in the museum. You tell me overnight they wouldn't have some staff there to supervise it. They'd definitely have a security guard, and more than two teachers. Yeah. Christ, that many right. kids. You'd have some of the parents. Cuts, you'd have, you'd have some of the parents, wouldn't you? Cuts. You'd have a, you'd have a parent chaperone at least. At least. <coughs> but yeah, um, <coughs> you know, there are trees everywhere, <coughs> and not a drop to drink. And so, how? Where did all these trees come from? <coughs> Why are they here? Who knows? They're protecting the earth from a fireball, Matt. Sure, that's how that works. That's what it turns out to be in the end. What's the monster of the week in this episode, Matt? Trees! No, because they're the good guys. Oh, um, it's the... <clears throat> it's, it's a tiger. The, yeah, tiger, tiger, burning bright. Because it, yeah, it's a tiger. Because it escapes from London Zoo, because... It's a freaking tiger. It's a because tiger. it does. Because of course it does. Because it does. Because apparently London's in chaos, which is why you don't see any other person out there. And the trees haven't burst through the ground. Like, there's no evidence of them bursting out of the ground. They're just there. Yeah. That's how trees work. Mm, that's how trees work. They just appear. They just, they um, literally just there's appear. A, a sort of... Oh, God. There's a young girl who we found out had a traumatic event and it has somehow unlocked like a psychic ability. Like, yeah. they think she's mentally disturbed, but really, she's got a psychic ability. And the doctor encourages her to not take her medication because it's stunting her psychic ability. So the moral of the story, kids... Just don't is take if, your medication. Is if, you have, if you have a troubled mind, if you need a bit of help, don't take it! You or you, you're fine. Even though she's a small young child, she's probably going to hurt herself. As someone who takes regular medication oh, for a, for not quite the same reason, but similar reasons, <laughs> well, you are don't psychic. fucking not take your medication if you're on medication. Don't not t- take your no, fucking no, Matthew, medication. Matthew, you're a psychic being. No, no, I'm not. I just need my pills. Oh, don't not take your pills. That's all right. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. It'll be cleared up by a bunch of kids somehow broadcasting to the whole world who can now obviously just understand English when they describe that the trees are fine, don't hurt the trees. Um, If you don't take your pills, you can talk to the trees. Clara spends the whole episode loving Danny being... Like, Danny's the only sensible person there. He's like, right, I'm going to get these kids back to their homes, we're going to start the school, then we're going to get out, so I'm going to get everyone back. Wait, it's not... It's not Clara? No. Clara's not the sensible No, Clara hates it, then loves it, then hates it, then loves it. Clara's all over the freaking shop in this episode. Um... The doctor's an idiot in this episode. Yeah. It's just shite. It's in the forest of the shite. It's oh god and here's the thing, the writer, Frank Cottrell Boyce, I've I've I have read and have heard like read aloud extracts from his books. He's a good writer. He's a good writer. Yeah. This yeah. is not a good bit of television. No. So I'm slightly wary of him being yep. the writer of the second episode of the new series. The one with the emoticon things. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, next. Is next Dark Water? I believe... Or a missed one? Yeah, it's Dark Water. Dark freaking water. Dark so, water. So, Dark Water is... Uh, freaking a fun sci-fi concept for a darker adult show and not Doctor Who. Um, this is... This feel, this Bits of this felt like Torchwood. It would be great as a Torchwood Tonally. story. Yeah. But it's not. And Torture has also explained that when you die, there's just this black void and there's something out there in the black void trying to yeah, kill you. Yeah, that's what I mean. They played with like the concept of afterlife or not uh, quite a lot, particularly in the first season. Mm. Well, in the second one, like, yeah. Owen dies, comes back, and then fights death. Yeah. like they, they, so... they sort of go into the idea of this is what it is. And in Doctor Who, they've told me the idea of beyond it, there's nothing. Yeah. But there's something in the dark. 
Yeah. I think even in Sarah Jane, there's like a Sarah Jane story somewhere where they hint at that. Yeah. So you get the idea that the shows have this philosophy of there's something there's something out there in the dark trying to get get you. Yeah. And it's it's coming. And and Torchwood series two answers it and goes into it with Owen and everything. But in this story, uh Danny gets hit by a car in a genuinely shocking opening that's very well told. Um Throughout the series, various people have died and have apparently appeared in this sort of centre, like where they're greeted by either Missy or Chris Addison's character Seb. Seb. Um, and that's it. Danny dies and ends up there. So we're like, oh, we're finally going to find out what this is about then. Okay. Yeah, it's like admin. He's dead and uh, he's going to sign some forms about it. Yep. And answer some questions. And then he's going to get the chance to decide whether or not he lives there forever as a consciousness or dies and they greet they introduce him to the young boy he accidentally shot in afghanistan yeah because that's his whole backstory is he was in the army yeah he was like, a teacher and and, then... and he he stops working in the military because he accidentally killed the child during a firefight i think they they say it, it was like he sort of like you know trigger happy like reactive didn't think killed the child mm-hmm. that's some heavy shit um, and that's an interesting sort of thing in a way. Turns out this city, <laughs> turns out this city of the dead, whatever the 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 promised land, which I think has a different name by this point. Paradise is inside paradise or somewhere is inside a giant orb floating somewhere in Saint Paul's, which is also where the three W's are. This company that cremate people. No, they don't cremate people. They they. You can like hire an afterlife from them. Yeah. Because they uh, found out that the dead yeah. are still conscious in the afterlife, and the, the main thing that people say when they're dead is don't cremate don't me. Don't cremate me because they feel it. Yeah. That's why it's called 3 W, just three words. Yeah. Hey, kids. Doctor I know, Who. right? Doctor Who's fun, right? It, got, it tried to get real dark at that this season. And, no, but again, that storyline would be great for Torchwood. Not yeah, for Doctor Who. It, it's a very Torchwood storyline. <laughs> On top of that, Clara, this is my least favourite bit of Doctor Who, maybe ever. And it's when Clara ambushes the Doctor. Like, she sort of uses a sleep patch, which was introduced earlier in the series. Yeah. Yeah. She steals all the TARDIS keys he's got hidden around the console room, and like the one in the cubby hole outside and everything. She steals them all while he's not looking. Um, and there, oh yeah, and her grand's in it briefly because apparently she still has a family, uh, even though she's living in a different place from last time. She hits him with a sleep patch. He wakes up at the side of a volcano. He can't get into the TARDIS because she's got all the keys, and she's throwing them one by one into the lava. Even though we've already seen that he doesn't need a key to get into the TARDIS. Yeah, he just clicks his fucking fingers. Yeah. But you know, which was established by Moffat. The keys not Moffat for established him. that it was his creation. In Silence of the Library. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> she's throwing all the keys in the library. She's basically like, bring Danny back. And he's like, you know, I can't. That's He's dead. Like, we're going to change time. We're going to change effect, you know, causality and everything. We do that. She's like, bring him back. Like, if you don't do it, you're never going to travel in your TARDIS again and we'll die here and all this. And in that moment, I was like, do you know what I really want him to do right now? Do I really want him to do right now more than anything in the world? Whip out the screwdriver... Somehow, like, I don't know, magnetise the locks, one of the keys fly into it, and just kick her into the fucking lava. Just, just... Bye, Clara. Boom. Just, just kick her into the lava, because I'm sorry, 
I know she's hurting. This is her best friend, apparently. Mm-hmm. And she's doing this to him mm-hmm. to prove a point. I hate that. Before mm-hmm. this, I found Clara annoying. This moment made me hate Clara Oswald. Because then he does a very doctor thing. It turns out this isn't real in a way like it was real. This is what she was planning to do. Because uh, she sets it up. She's like, oh, let's go somewhere like a volcano. Like, let's go to a volcano and stuff like that, whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll take you there. And that's when she hits him with a sleeper. Then you find out after this moment, when she finally breaks down, after throwing the last key, after throwing the last key in the lava, fucking, he's like, don't worry, it never happened. It shows you what really happened. Like, he saw her take the sleep patch. As soon as she tries to hit him with one, he turns around and just slaps one on her neck instead. And this is a dream state. And he's monitoring it to see what she's dreaming about. What? Mm-hmm. Convoluted. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, he's like, right, well, let's, right. We shouldn't be doing this. But let's go and I will investigate for you. We will investigate and see if we can do something. She's like, why? Why are you helping me? And he goes, because you really think, um, he says something like, he says something like, do you really think betraying me means I don't care about you? Means I'll no longer care about you. And it's a very doctor thing to do in that whole, like, I understand it. You're hurting. It's okay. But I'm sorry. She was going to fucking throw the TARDIS keys in lava. No. Yeah. No. You do not, like, you could go, you should basically be like, look, you didn't do it, and I understand your grief, but guess what? I'm fucking dropping you off now. Bye. You're gone. See ya. You're a twat. This is one of the most powerful ships in the universe, and you nearly compromised it. I hate Clara Oswald because of this episode. Yep. Water draining out from skeletons to reveal Cybermen. That's a cool visual. Yep. Um, let's talk about The Missy about reveals... Missy. All right. Yeah, I like Missy. If I remember reveal. correctly, this went out on Halloween weekend. I, I like Missy because I screamed at the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we watched it. Yeah, yeah. I like Michelle Gomez. Yes, a lot. Yes, I really like her. Yes, I don't care for Missy, and I think it's because Missy's just Moriarty in a frock. Yeah, to a degree, it's the yeah. same character. And when I say yeah. Moriarty, I don't mean series one and two Moriarty. I mean Tumblr's version of Moriarty, yeah. every bit of Moriarty after his actual death, Moriarty from Sherlock. It's that Moriarty in a frock. Michelle Gomez is a fantastic performer and she's clearly having a ball. I think she's at her strongest, weirdly, in The Magician's Apprentice. Where she's just randomly killing people in that square. Yeah. Like, that's great. Yeah. I, I just... And the reveal at the end of the story is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. But it's the next story that ruins it for me. Let's, let's, go, let's go into... Um, Death in Heaven. Death in Heaven, because this is, this is, I think, where we get to the bulk of, like, Missy, why you like Missy, and, and why I have beef with this. Um, so, Death in Heaven. Uh, all the dead people on Earth have been turned into, or are about to be turned into Cybermen. Cybermen. Missy might be trying to take over the world with Cybermen. It's revealed, no. She's somehow got control over all of them, and she's giving that control to the Doctor... As a present. Because you understand me and I understand you. Because that's been their relationship this whole time, apparently. I know different incarnations, different yeah. strokes, different folks, but that's not their relationship. That isn't their relationship. They they are friends who are now enemies. 
So they have a mutual respect for one another to a degree, but they hate each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what makes them interesting. They are, and I hate to use it considering the complaint I just made, Sherlock Holmes and John Moriarty. Oh, that's, 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 that's Moriarty. the express... That was the express that, purpose of it, introducing the Master back in the Pertwee area. Pertwee and Dolgana. Yeah. That, that was who, Dolgana, that's yeah. who they were. Um, and it becomes a little bit more pantomime with Ainley. It becomes a bit more about, I'm the moustache-twirling villain of, of the so show. Um, <laughs> and with John Sim and David Tennant, it's about, I hate you and I want to see you suffer and die because I've been trapped for all this time and now I've come back and there's my most hated enemy and I'm going to make you suffer and this is going to be amazing. Also, I'm the master of all because that's the whole point of my name. Is I like to rule over everybody. I want to be. I want to be on a pedestal. I want to be sat on the throne. Um, you know, like that's that's John Sims' master's journey and everything. But then they hit they hit that weird thing at the end where they realise that they can stop the bigger evil of Gallifrey. Yeah. So the master turns tail and goes right. Fuck it. I'm going to take out Razalon and and push Gallifrey back. And they do that. And then, for some reason, at some point. He's regenerated, or been resurrected again, has escaped wherever Gallifrey is somehow, is now Missy, and is turning the Cybermen into a private army as a gift for the Doctor. Yep. When the Master would, in any any incarnation, turn the Cybermen into a private army, and become the freaking ruler of something. Yeah, yes. And be like, guess what? I won. I won. Because the Cybermen are ten times more effective than the Toclophane. Boom! Take over Earth! You've got a planet of your own! I think, for, for, for me, it was more about... <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, yeah, I've won, so have this. I've already won, so you can do what you want with it. Yeah, but... I've, already, I've outsmarted you at every turn. <laughs> I did all this without you even noticing, without you even realising. There you go. Have that. Did she kill Osgood in this story? I can't remember. Yes. That was great. Yes. I liked that. Because and then they freaking wreck on it later. Because we get the intro of the... Um, uh, what do we call it? The... Um, oh, say something nice. Yeah. She does that to the doctor. Not the doctor. The doctor at the 3W Institute. Yeah. But, um, she does that to, to him in the first part. And then she does it to Osgood. Yeah. When you think she's restrained, but she's well, her not. killing Osgood's great. It's so good, and then they wreck on it. Yeah, she brings oh, it. So just, oh. um, but that was good because that was a statement of intent. Yeah, that was. Oh, you know that character that's a bit of a fan favorite in the anniversary special. I just killed them for shits and giggles, yeah. and not only that, I made them terrified before I did it, and I made them know they were about to die. That's great. That's the master. But but then we get. The Cyber Brig. Cyber Brig. Well, here's the uh, thing. Any, anyone the Doctor's ever known and loved who has died that? on Earth prior to this time chronologically although is now a cyber corpse. So Amy and Rory no sense, are cyber corpses. It makes no sense. Because we see we see the soldiers in the future in Into the Dalek die and go to the Nether Sphere. Well, that's the, we that's see... the story arc problem. They do this thing of she's like yeah. keeping track of him by taking people who die in his adventures and pulling them left, right, and centre. Yeah. But then it's never revealed why. How can she chronologically track him? How does she know Danny and Clara it's... are a thing? Oh, well, apparently she was the mysterious woman in the shop that gave Clara the doctor's phone number in the Bells of St. John. A story thread that we'd all forgotten about. So why is and she... casual viewers wouldn't fucking remember anyway. Oh, you know, I don't remember that. So she's like, I paired you two together. 
so I could do this. Right, I thought they were paired together because the universe prophesized a hybrid. We'll get to that fucking plot thread in a minute. Right, okay. Oh! Let's, let's... It's... Cyber brings a bag of ass. Cyber brings a bag of ass. Missy supposedly dying would have been kind of interesting in that moment. I quite like Missy, but... Not the best place to showcase it. Not, not, it's not... Danny's story ends in a kind of nice way. Yeah. But it's also over-the-top cheesy where he's like, Soldiers! We are thinking! It's just like, what is this? As the recently decomposing corpse of Danny Pink yeah. does his Iron Man impression. Cyberbrig is the biggest pile of fuck you ever. I watched this at BBC Broadcasting House at an event. How did it make you feel? Awkward. <laughs> is that because you were naked? Awkward. Was it one of those dreams where you go, where you, where you, where everyone's laughing at you and you go, why is everyone laughing at me? And you look down, you're naked. No, but it was because it was the finale of the event. Like, it'd been a Doctor Who themed thing at the oh, BBC. Yeah, so yeah. there was like quizzes and I'd, I'd hosted a Q&A portion and yeah. stuff like that. And it was it was a lot of fun, and then we all sat down and we watched Death in Heaven, and it mostly ended with, I think half the people there sort of like yeah, and they had a good time. The kids that were there looked a bit confused, <laughs> and the rest of us were just sort of like, huh? it wasn't. It was not a great finale, but it would be a great place to leave Clara, yeah. because they have the hug. Yeah. He finally hugs because that was a story arc, and they they leave they're parting on a lie. He tells her he found Gallifrey, because Missy tells him where it is. That's a great little moment. Yeah. He goes to the coordinates, finds it's not there, and he's like, you bastard. Like, you've done it just to piss me off. Yeah. That's... Which, is a, which is absolutely a totally master thing to do. Yeah. Um, he says, I found it. I'm going to go see my people. She's like, oh, that's good. And he's like, um, are you, I can't remember what her lie is. It's something like... Are you going to be okay? I can't remember what it is. is it Danny? Does he think Danny's alive or something? No, no. I can't remember. But like, she's got a lie and he's like, oh, great. Okay, bye. And they both end on a lie. And that's like, well, that's interesting. Like, neither of them are actually happy, but they spare the other one's sadness for that by lying. Yeah. That'd be a cool place to leave it. Then we get Last Christmas. What's the plot of Last Christmas, Matt? Incorrect. The answer is alien. Okay. <laughs> um, alien head crabs sit on your head and make you think you um, make you. It's it's for the man. Alien. It's Superman for the man who has everything. Yeah, with, with yeah. Who, like it's the Black Mercer, but they're head crabs from Half Life. And it's well, the the actual plot. Dream is, crabs. The actual plot is random woman box sets a bunch of shit, and people have a collective hallucination inspired by the DVD she's been watching. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, oh, don't worry. It's it's very much like Alien, but that's the point. Yeah, it's still, you're still just ripping off Alien. Yeah. The face crab, like face hugging things. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. Nick Frost plays Father Christmas. <laughs> but Father Christmas is, by the end, as we realise, part of the hallucination. Yeah. He's just the, co- he's the focused, concentrated element of it. Because at some point or other, they have all believed in Father Christmas, so he's the purest, non-sinister part of the hallucination. Interesting idea. Very Christmas special. But at the end, you confirm Father Christmas is real. Because he leaves the Satsuma on the window ledge. Christ's sake, even though in the show we've already been told that, at least once we've been told that Father Christmas was real, because the 11th Doctor whips out the photo of him, Father Christmas, and Frank Sinatra... 
which could be a dude in a Father Christmas outfit, but like oh, that was a fun idea, the idea that the Doctor yeah. works for Father yeah. Christmas or having a drink. But then the Ninth Doctor confirms that he's Father Christmas, or at least plays it for a laugh. Yeah. With the whole, who says I'm not, Red Bicycle when you were 12. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? That's, that's great. That's freaking brilliant. Nick Frost is obviously having fun in this episode. That's about it. I just, there's that, there's the dorky northern lady who everyone was like, she should be a companion. It's like, no, she would get irritating, but as a one-off character, she's really sweet. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just remember finding it really boring. It's like really, really boring. Yeah, it was, it was boring. And again, Clara's story. Clara's story should end there. But it, again, but it doesn't it because doesn't. in real life, Jenna Coleman had said she was finishing, and then actually was like, "No, I want to do a bit more." So it does have an ending for Clara, and then it retcons the ending. Yeah, I, I, I would have loved if they'd left it on old Clara. That, that symmetry was beautiful, yeah. like him helping her pull the cracker. Yeah. Which is going back to the previous Christmas, but Time of the Doctor, yeah. when she's helping the elderly um, elderly Matt Smith Doctor do it. That would have been beautiful, but then, oh. then they retcon it, because that was a hallucination inside a hallucination inside a hallucination. Just like, oh, God. Well, it's not technically speaking of retcons, it happens in the same story, but they, yeah, oh, no, but, they can be well, altered yeah. it at the, last, at the last minute. Well, it means that you yeah. think everybody's out of it. And then the Doctor removes one final headcrab from himself and goes and finds the real Clara and she's fine and takes the headcrab off her and it's like, what is going on? So wait, all the people you hallucinated, were they in her hallucination then? Now, I hear tell, in this story, the bit where he's randomly flying the sleigh is the bit that the writers have deemed, that's when he becomes a nice Doctor again. He rides Santa's sleigh and that makes him a nice man again. Well, let's talk about the next series and see if that holds true. Oh, God. Well, what, one also because one this story is going later. fucking yeah. long. Once, should we, we could pick it up next week if you want. We could take a break here and then next week do it and review the first ep. I think... That might be a good shout. Should we do that? Yeah, because... Live I'm... podcast decisions, boys and girls. Because I think I'm probably going to rewatch both those seasons now. Okay, fair enough. Well, okay, well, we shall continue our PCAP recap and we'll probably review the pilot next week. Yeah. So, um... I think, considering the amount of Doctor Who questions we reluctantly answer in the emails, it seems only fair that we get, have a have a go at reviewing this series at least. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, speaking yeah. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, emails, bitch. Email. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to buy myself some time to alt tab over to the emails app. Um, Before anyone asks, uh, just to clarify in terms of emails, I'm going to get this one out of the way because I know we've had at least 70 emails about this. No, we don't know how to get hold of any Mulan Szechuan McNugget sauce. No, no. We don't know. We wish we did. But if it takes us nine seasons, we're going to do it. 97 more years. 97 more years, Morty. We're going to do it. Ninety-seven more years. Emails! Um, <laughs> Sam Johnson! Sam Johnson. We've got a couple from Sam Johnson. So we're going to go from the, the first one. Hello, big damn voices. <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't resist asking you more questions in my first question. Which Sarah Jane Adventures story featuring the Doctor do you prefer? The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith or Death of the Doctor? Pretty sure we've answered this. Uh... I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be for you. Uh, mm, what's yours at the two? Brain of Sarah Jane Smith. 
I think it's Death of the Doctor. See, I know um, we've already answered this. We've already answered this I question. Do, I do love them equally, but yeah, Death, yes. of, the, Death of the Doctor for me, because Russell T. Davis writes the 11th and he has fun with it. So, it's great. Uh, my second question <laughs> is, what do you think about Asbel Potts from the first few trailers? Uh, it's hard to tell. She could, she could be annoying based on some of the dialogue in the trailers. Um, she could also not be based on the fact that it's all taken out of context. Yeah, that's it's the thing. Really we can't, we can't really tell. Um, although I will say this, the marketing is the marketing spiel for it all it makes me roll my eyes because it's all she's different. She's an average girl, and uh, she's going to ask the doctor different kinds of questions. And I'm like, so like every other press release you've given for yeah. every other companion yeah, in the last yeah. five years. Okay, fair enough. Bill Mackie seems pretty great though, so we're all right. With yeah, yeah, she's she's a she's a seasoned actor, so yeah. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what she does. I, yeah, if there's a pro- yeah. if any problems with Bill, it's not going to be down to Pearl Mackie. No. It's going to be down to the writing, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. Um. My last question is, since it's been seven years this month since the Eleven Doctor crashed onto your our screens, yeah. what's your favourite adventure of his? Favourite Goodbye, Eleven my dears, from Sam. Goodbye, my dears. Oh, we've got another one from Sam. Which we... In terms of impact, day in, from like his era, Day of the Doctor, because it was such a cool experience that first time watching it. Yeah. But, um... Uh, Vincent and the Doctor is still my favourite Eleven Doctor story. Oh, that's such a good story! I really like that one. Um, I really like that yeah. one. Yeah. And I, that that's that's not down to Matt per se. He's just a big part of why it works. But uh, yeah, and I really enjoy that one. Um, I'm trying to think of one where like he's the strongest thing for me, and, and I really dig him in it. But one's not leaping to mind immediately. Uh, the Lodger. Yes, because that really, that really, really like not the work, and he sells it so yeah. well. I really, really. It's like a really the good script, and Corden's very likable in it. Yeah. Um, and we, we love seeing Daisy Haggard and stuff. Daisy Haggard is so, so cool. That's always oh, good. Darn it. Um, uh, Sam also sent us another one saying, Hello, big damn scissor sisters. <laughs> you can't decide whether we should live or die. John Sim. Yeah, John Sim. Let's have a glass of milk and bitch about the industry. Who the fuck is John Sim? John Sim. That was a very specific quote. If you can tell me next week what that was from, I will buy Matthew a new hat. So before we before we get into this, before we get into this, we should all. We but should, you get to choose what hat. We should we should point out. Um, <laughs> That's a challenge. We should point out that the sun were dicks. Yeah. This um, last week and. Yeah, apparently BFI <laughs> press screening slash fan screening of uh, the pilot. Um, came with the series trailer, which will be broadcast after the episode on BBC One. Yeah. In that, that trailer ends with a spoiler. Apparently, there was going to be a countdown in the trailer to a bit where they wanted you to look away if you didn't want to see it, which is a bit much, if you ask me. If you don't want to spoil it, don't put it in the trailer. Yeah. But you obviously put it in the trailer because you want people to be excited. Apparently, that was a reveal that John Sims' master is in a story. Allegedly, the same story, one of the same stories that Missy's in. Yeah. So it'll be the first on screen multi, multi master story. Which is quite cool. So, following um, on from that. But then the sun leaked yeah. it. Even though the press release, the whole point was like, this is a treat for everyone here. The press, there's an embargo on this. Like, we're just giving it to you lot in the room. And the fans oblige. No fans leaked the information. Mm-hmm. No other press outlet leaked the information. The sun leaked it. So BBC had to go doubt all damage control and leak it themselves the same day, pretty much like 10 minutes later. Because the sun comes. But we yeah. already knew that. Yeah. Um, so, uh... Sam asks, Johnson is officially returning as the Master alongside Missy. Mm-hmm. While this isn't the first ever Master Meets Master story, the first being the two Masters, the seventh Doctor Big Finish story. Yeah. Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> um, I'm really excited 
What are your opinions on the news? Um, I I'm excited to see his incarnation again because I do I do enjoy his two stories, his first one more so. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, his by the end of time, his character story has closed up. Yeah. Yeah, like where else? So this has it? to be post, unless what they're doing is revealing in the story what happened next. That's what I do. How yeah. do you get from Sim to Sim to miss it to um yeah to uh, Sim to Gomez Gomez? Um, but I've got a feeling it's going to be a bit more villains teaming up thing. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. because Moffat doesn't like paying things off. Um, <laughs> I'm but he does like rewriting other people's stuff. My so. f- yes. My final question is, the master has an excellent taste in music for his world domination playlist, so what <laughs> would your world domination music playlist be? Goodbye, my dears! <laughs> First of all, no, the master does not have great taste in music. Fuck the Ting Tings. Was that the baby, baby, baby? I don't know what it was. His Scissor Sisters playlist is a good one, I'll oh, give him that. Man, it just, it's all poppy. It works really well in that moment, though. I would have some, like... Here come the drums, here come the drums, baby, baby, baby. Uh, like that overly sappy pop... Was it? Oh, the overly was sappy, it? happy pop music playing as these metal balls of death descend upon planet Earth and he orders the execution of a tenth of the population. I would... That's pretty... That's nice and grim, but oh, also Rogue really Traders. Twisted. Rogue Traders. Australian man, they say. Who's the Ting Tings? No, what do they the do? Ting Tings are... Um... That's not my name. That's not my name. <laughs> That's not They're my all name. the same style. They're the same era of pop. They're the same... Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like it in that episode. Um, what would you be your world domination Oh, I would, I would... Um, <laughs> I would... I would lead my four horsemen <laughs> across the land, raising as we go to the punishing sound of a monomar. <laughs> Let me pull you up some monomar. <laughs> Alright, let's have, a, have some of this. Um, <laughs> He's got such a wicked grin on his face Viking, right now. The best Viking metal you will ever find. Um, <laughs> you look so devilishly chuffed with yourself okay, right now. Go. This is Raise Your Horns by Amonamar. I would lead a mighty steed. I would lead my four across <laughs> the land on horses of iron with hooves of fire, and I would smite all before me. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I do. Wait, where can they buy that? iTunes, Amazon, Amazon, iTunes, Go anywhere, that, anywhere that sells music. That's um, or just bring about the apocalypse, and you can hear it for free. Raise. <laughs> Raise Your Horns by Amonamath from the album Young's Viking. Nice. I'd just play Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid. I mean, that is probably how the world's going to end. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> just like nukes rain down. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like firing down like a rain, the rainstorm of thin metal tubes full I of explosive do, yeah. death. I could do that. Um, so there's that. I could do that. Um... <laughs> um... <laughs> That's a really good question. That was a great question. Um, Tom Monty has a couple. Tom um, Monty! Little links. Um, and <laughs> the first question he, he 
he sends in, I'm not going to read it, it's superseded by the second question. Oh my uh, god. The second question opens, in light of recent events, just after emailing the original email actually, please scratch that last question and instead <laughs> dedicate an entire section of this week's podcast to your thoughts on John Sims' master returning for Series 10. I'm at least going to detail on it. I are angry the BBC were able to keep a spot like that close to your chest when we so close to Series 10. I would love to hear your thoughts and would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, your sugar, Tom Monte. Where does this your sugar keep coming from? I don't know. Um, um, sugar sweet. Um, I think we touched on it in the, in the previous question, but to go into detail on it, I don't think it's... I think... I think the Beeb had to make the best of the situation. It's very yeah. hard to keep things like that secret in this day and age. What they could have done... I think what they could have done... But hindsight's twenty twenty. They could have kept... Hindsight's twenty twenty. Roy. Yeah. The important thing is we act now. <laughs> I don't want to die. You're not going to. <laughs> God. You beat cancer and they went back to the carpet store. Um, He's taking Roy off the grid. He doesn't have a social security number for Roy. Uh, I would... I think what they should have done really is when they did the... If, if they wanted to get on top of it, the launch trailer prior to the screening event, or on the same night of the screening event, the most recent one, the one we enjoyed, have had it in. should have had it in. That should have had it in. There should have been a reveal shot at the end of that trailer... Because they, they put a reveal shot at the end of the trailer of his hand glowing. Yeah. But the, the reveal shot at the end of that trailer should have been, like, you should have seen just, like, the quick flashes of Missy, Dark. Um, the Master, Dark, regenerating hand, end trailer. Because then we all would have gone, ah! It's like so much information in that final five seconds. Yeah, yeah. That would have been the way to do it, I think. But I think they did want to keep... Because if, no, if, if, the if they think it was going to get... Yeah, if they, that's what I'm saying. In the yeah. hindsight, if they thought it was going to get out, you know, the other way to have done it is to have just not treated that screening audience yeah. to that trailer. Because um, you can't fucking trust the sun. No. Like, but in terms of Johnson returning, like we said, like, like we said in the, in the I think we're, in, I think we're interested. Yeah. I'm interested in why they're bringing Johnson back. Uh, I'd like to see a regeneration. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Spoiler alert for the recent Doctor Magazine comic. Uh, it showed Delgado's master's last story. Oh. Yeah. Does he regenerate into Jacobi? You don't see who he regenerates into, he begins to regenerate. Oh, of course you've got the big finish master as well, haven't you? Big finish master, how dare you? Well, that's the thing. It, There's several with, with big the, finish masters. With, with, the, with, with the, with the, um... There's lots of masters in big finish. There's a lot of, a lot of things in big finish. Oh, Christ. Deadly Assassin. Yeah. That's the first time you see the master post-Elgado, isn't it? Um, in the TV yeah, show, yeah, yeah. so there's implications in that that oh, Delgado, yeah, not yeah, there's implicate. Oh, no, it's, it's Delgado, not not yeah, that yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's implications in that that he, um, like you know, he's basically screwed himself up and he's dying. He's at the end of his last life. So yeah. there, there has to have been other masters either prior to or after Delgado. Uh, I know one of them. If you go with Big Finish, is um, I think is it Ale- Alexander McQueen's one. Is that the actor's name? I can't remember his name now. Is that pre Delgado? I think he's. Around that time, I don't know to mm. be honest, but like we're told that the master is at the end of his life and he's fucked, and that's why he's the way he is in the Deadly Assassin. So there has to have been that one included, not charred up and burnt, 12 other versions of the master that we've not seen. You know what I mean? In terms of the yeah. TV by that point. So maybe the comics are about to go into a different continuity because essentially it's a story in the 70s and like. Uh, a professor dominar of this research place yeah. gets involved with the companion's family okay and at the end the part one of the story he's this, the full page reveal is this professor coming to talk to them you're like oh it's the master he can't resist his master puns can he no he well even though the doctor calls him out on it in part three he's like oh for christ's sake like, yeah. really really you're not even trying now um, but like it's cool because the story ends with him getting screwed up is it like, a capaldi story or is it's it capaldi it? story oh, okay. um which is what's nice about it because he sort of confronts me says like you should be you know 
he says like the doctor has a great bit of dialogue with him where he basically says like you are you're a fly to me at this point you are an inconvenience i swat you away because it's easier than like stomping you out and all that and the master's like no and he's like yeah no seriously you're you are shit on my shoes at this point <laughs> He says, like, he says, like, you don't understand the magnitude of what happened. He's like, you don't understand the magnitude of what the hell I've been through. I'm four billion years old. You are, a bl- you are a blink. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it basically, basically, he he overshadows the master by making the master feel insignificant during this battle. Nice. Which is a great way to get to that nice. master because suddenly he's like, you know, it's, it's always been like, yes, we are evenly matched with I, Doctor, but I am the one with the conviction to go further and all this. In this case, the Doctor's like, yeah, you, you like, you are. You are day five. I'm on day five billion. Like, yeah. I have done so much more it's, since yeah. you. You are nothing. And it's, it's a cool way to play it. But yeah, that was... that's that was. So if you want a master regeneration, we've got to pick up the current issue of DWM. Oh. Uh, Ian McLean. Is he, though? Right, so. <laughs> Dear Mr. C. Johnson and Mr. M. Watson, the magical roundabout duel in the blue cat is about well a blue cat who appears and turns everything blue. Is this a response to the magic roundabout yeah. question from last week? Yeah. Okay. So okay, we'll have to check that. Out. Uh, <laughs> with, I was like, wait, what? With the doctor who? <laughs> That's how it's written. It's a B. <laughs> I've not seen any trailers, but why or why did the sun ruin that? Yes, I know what it is, as the BBC had to say it, but redacted. Yeah. We've, we've, got, we've, we've talked about that. Also, the title of the Pyramid at the End of the World is a great title. Shame it's written by a writer I do not like. Is that one of the upcoming stories, Pyramid at the End of the World, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to keep it short and sweet, so time for the three razy... Three razy candom. Crazy random. I can't speak. Three crazy <laughs> random questions out of the ether. Out of the ether. What is your favourite sea creature? Arthur, King of the Britons. The Manatee. Imagine your scrotum with flippers and the face of a tiny cow. <laughs> West Indian manatee, I do love him so. <laughs> Everyone loves it now, Wall. Um, oh, wicked. Um, my favourite sea creature, I hate them all. Because they're wet and they will kill you with their many mouths. How many of our listeners actually got any of that reference? They're all too young. Favourite Shakespeare play? Blue. Arthur King of the Britain. Oh, I seek the grail. Sorry, shit. No, wrong question. Um, Long day's journey in tonight. Um, Interesting question. Uh, There's Gary Glenn Ross. I like this. The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. <laughs> um, I like The Tempest. Um, I like Twelfth Night. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I've seen you in it. Yeah, I like Twelfth Night a lot. But uh, I like Twelfth Night. Um, um, Macbeth. I like Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth's a good one. I've not seen any version of Macbeth. I should probably get on that. Yeah, it's good. I like Macbeth. Um, <laughs> would you rather be able to fly or summon any food you want out of thin air? Fly... Or summon food. One of those will keep you healthy, athletic, and super-powered, and the other will make you fat. So I think I'm going to go with food out of thin air. Then again, you could you could walk around and give it to people. Yeah, exactly. That's the homeless problem solved. You could solve... That is the homeless problem... Well, not solved. That's a freaking... Here, have a sausage roll. I've cured the world of homelessness. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like food banks, for example. You could just go like, right, meet at this time... Boom, there you go. If you get Food the distribution network sorted out, <laughs> distribution you can cure world hunger. 
overnight. Yeah. So I'd rather summon food after dinner. Yeah. Plus, um, you don't feel guilty about spending money on a takeaway because you can just summon a takeaway style version of the meal you want. That's what I did last night. It's called Just Eat. Um, <laughs> did you end up with a spare pizza? Yeah, there was a spare tell. pizza. Oh my there God. is no more spare pizza anymore. God damn it. I made sir. a pizza sandwich. Disappear. And what, and what, and what you do, what you do is, is you take two slices of pizza. Two different types two of pizza. Di- no, no, same pizza. Okay. Two different, two slices of the same pizza. Yeah. You put some ham on it and then you put some barbecue sauce on it and then you put the other slice of pizza oh upside down God. on it and then you put that on the sandwich grill and then you eat that shit. You're going to make me come. I ate three of them. And- I hate three that is of the most them. that is the most sexually satisfying thing I've heard across the day. course of today, not like all in one go. Oh I had God. one and then I had another one and then I went out and did some errands and then I came back and then I had another one. Um and it was really <laughs> good. Um Oh my god, I want all of them. Mitchell! Hi Mitchell, would you like a piece of sandwich? Again, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I've I'm sure I've answered this already, but I'm sure we've answered this already. It seems familiar. Let's see. Um, if we have, we'll give it an incorrect answer. How would you sum up the Tom Baker era of Doctor Who as a whole? We have Real answered Sugar that. Mitchell. We have answered that. So here's my alternate uh, fake answer. Um, I especially like... musical episode which was great glad you enjoyed it I I really enjoyed it it made me think what other show could accommodate a musical episode I was immediately thinking Doctor Who could do one it could but also possibly Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I cannot see a way in which you could uh, (laughs) manufacture a contrivance to get a musical episode out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also, that show would never do anything that interesting. <laughs> what series do you think could have a musical episode? I think Doctor Who could work, depending on the cast. I think you would get a good... It, it astonishes me that neither Once Upon a Time nor... Um, what's the other one with fairy tale characters? There's basically Once Upon a Time. Um, um, there's another? Yeah, there's two. Really? Once Upon a Time, there's another one. Um, anyway, I'm amazed. There's two shows with the exact yeah, same yeah, premise? I think, or oh, similar premises. I'm amazed that Once Upon a Time hasn't had one. Um, I think that would be... A, uh, yeah. That would be um... interesting. <laughs> 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 a week where we should have a musical episode. 
<laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> Don't just, tempt me. I think we just did. Um, <laughs> Started with the toot. Uh, uh, so. Um, also, during your discussion on wrestling last week, yeah, uh, when Matt mentioned if he got back into it via the WWE Network, he would be swamped by the hours of content he would go back and watch. I laughed. You would be swamped just by the constant weekly content produced, not including the live PPVs and events on the WWE Network, or the three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown Live on TV, which have separate rosters. Oh, Christ. You would have... <laughs> One hour of 205 Live Cruiserweight, one hour of NXT, which is the developmental brand, which I've heard great things about, 25 minutes of Talking Smack, which is the top post-Smackdown post-show. That's a great um, name. 30 minutes of This Week in WWE, which is the weekly recap show, and there's an upcoming UK-based weekly show, apparently, as well, all produced exclusively for the Network Weekly. And you also have the tournaments and the upcoming, like the Cruiserweight Classic, UK Championship Tournament, and the upcoming Women's Tournament aired over a couple of weeks. Then you have the season original shows when the wrestlers are mostly out of character. Like, uh, oh, I've, yeah, I've seen this. Um, WWE 24, which is a documentary series. Ride Along, which is wrestlers driving, t- tell stories while driving to the next town. <laughs> what? <laughs> Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness, which is a sketch show with Edge and Christian. What? What? Swerve, which is a hidden camera show. Table for Three, which is three older wrestlers talk stories over dinner. Holy Foley, which is a Rick Foley <laughs> reality show. What? <laughs> WWE Storytime, which is legends telling stories that are animated and unfiltered with Renee Young's interview show hosted by Renee Young, not including shows that have reached and ended, cancelled, or on a break. What about the Bellas reality show? There's a reality <laughs> show about the, be- the the Divas, the two Bellas. Who are the, the, is like, that? Yeah, yeah, because one of them's engaged to John Cena. Yeah, as of as of last week. Well, yeah. I, I think she was already engaged to him in real life. Right. But then, and well, I was storyline. But then they made they worked it into the storyline. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I left with you just going back and watching the old content of things you used to watch and being swamped within that couple of years of one weekly show. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of stuff on the WWE Network. So to keep up with it all, you basically have to have no job. You cannot do no commitments, but watch wrestling and the ability to only have to sleep for two nights a week. That's all you can do is just watch wrestling all day for the rest of your life. If we win the lottery... Which won't be very long if that's all you're doing, to be fair. If we win the lottery... So I can get a month Can we spend the money to develop the superpower to make food manifest from thin air? Yeah. And then just buy the WWE Network membership? let's do that. And sit in two giant recliners that are also toilets and just constantly watch wrestling. Ah, that sounds great. We would be... Magnificent beasts. Uh, victory should we'd be, be like naked. We'd be like Meatloaf, the vampire version. We'd be like Pearl in Blade. Yeah, old Bulbos and sweating. Bulbos and sweating. Bulbos and the sweat man. That Bulbos and sweating should be the episode title. <laughs> there, oh, he found me. Bulbous and sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Take us out, Chris. If you want to get in touch with us during the week, you can email us. I have no idea. Bigdamncontact at (laughs) gmail.com. 
Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. <laughs> Follow a bunch of our stuff with extra bits and pieces. Uh, BigDamnBlog.tumblr.com. And of course, subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube for Big Damn Love and all that good shit. I'm, I'm Big Damn Chris. I'm Big Damn Matt. Don't forget to watch Big Damn Love this Sunday, would you kindly? Yeah, oh, a hint, teaser. Uh, and until next time, we'll be bulbous and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs>